On the eve of his crucifixion, Jesus prays to his Father, I have given them your word, and the world hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them from the world, but you keep them from the evil one. Hey everyone, welcome back. I'm your host, Nate Gazau, and you're listening to Aliens on Earth. Please stick around. We've got a very special episode just for you. Hey guys, welcome back. This is episode 10, and this episode is titled In My Feelings. Feelings, as we know, come from the heart, whereas reason, logic, they come from the mind. There's major discrepancies in scripture about listening to our hearts. I know there's a lot of these sayings that we throw out there on a day-to-day basis uh, that I'm sure a lot of us are familiar with. Some of these sayings are like, hey, just follow your heart or listen to your gut or, you know, we refer to those things as gut instincts. But the question is, who governs our heart or who governs our gut? Some people go as far as to even say, oh, my gut instincts are always right or my gut is always right. They're even almost willing to bank on it. Have you ever heard even someone saying, oh, you know, he, he, he has a good heart. He means well or she has a good heart, she means well. Listening to our hearts can be sort of a very delicate art almost, really because even as Christians, our hearts aren't really always in the right place. And oftentimes our hearts deceive us. And scripture also tells us that in Jeremiah 17 verse 9, that the heart of man is in fact deceitful above all things and desperately sick. And I mean, these are kind of some harsh words here, but who can understand it is what the Bible says. Our hearts are deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? For this very reason, God also tells us in Proverbs, he uses his wise man Solomon, King Solomon, to say, guard your hearts for it is the wellspring of life. Life flows from the heart. It's the wellspring of life. And we do this by, you know, actively being aware and filtering out what we see, what we hear and how we think and we filter them through God's word. You know, it comes down to this. Our hearts can either be ruled by our flesh or they can be ruled by the living and active word of God. First, you know, guarding our heart really begins with realizing that our spiritual heart per se can help us really diagnose and tell us where our spiritual health is at. You know, if we want to get a good measure or if we want to get a good glimpse, a good view, an honest perspective of where our spiritual health is, we can see that by seeing our spiritual hearts. And, you know, just as God made us with physical hearts that allow us to live here on earth, you know, temporarily. He also gave us spiritual hearts. That means that we live eternally. And guarding our hearts begins with, first of all, a commitment, a commitment to have a healthy heart or a commitment to strive for a healthy heart. So, you know, in order to live healthy, first you have to commit to it. Just as much as, you know, dieting and exercise, 
affect our physical heart, what we feed our spiritual hearts, also how we protect our spiritual hearts can result in its overall health as well. And I really want to highlight four ways that our spiritual hearts can speak to us or can manifest themselves or that we can see or gauge how our spiritual heart is doing by these four things. The first one is our emotions. You know, our spiritual heart speaks to how we manage and control our emotions. So, you know, when life gets tough and when we go through situations or circumstances that are not ideal at all, do we allow our emotions to take control of us? You know, when we're tossed into difficult situations or when we are in predicaments that are tough for us, allowing our emotions to manage our lives will result in poor decisions and really reactions to what happens to us in life. You know, some of us fly into a fit of rage pretty easily. We get angry at things. Things don't go our way or when we're faced with challenges, we just get so angry that we may say hurtful things to the people around us, to the ones we love. We may do some critical damage to our relationships. Others of us, we're kind of the opposite. You know, when we get all in our feelings, when we get all, you know, in our emotions, we withdraw. We sort of refuse to have the necessary conversations. And instead, we just allow our emotions to just wash over us and we sulk in it and we soak in it. All these kind of point to an unhealthy heart. As Christians, we understand, you know, our emotions don't control us. We bring our emotions into subjection or into alignment with God. God's word. You know, we guard our hearts when we control our emotions. One way to know where our hearts kind of are is how are our emotions? Do we fly off the handle? Do we just sort of just say what comes to our mind and just, dang, you know, we think back on it after we said it and be like, oof, I was just really angry, you know? I didn't even mean those words that I had said, but I just said them, you know, because I was upset. And do we just have a reactive or just blurt out things that come to our minds because of our anger or because of our impatience? Honestly, that is one big indicator that our spiritual health is suffering or our spiritual heart is suffering. We need to be able to bring our emotions to God. Instead of saying those things, we bring our feelings, say, God, I'm angry right now. I don't feel good. This situation is tough. And, you know, wash over our emotions with God's word. Um, The second one, the second point is our attitudes. Our attitude is a very essential part of guarding our heart. Really pay really close attention next time you're having a conversation with someone, you know, whether you're talking to your spouse, your sibling, coworker, whatever, and see how much negativity can really breed more negativity. You know, complaints, a complaining spirit is very contagious. You know, you you get around some friends, you're having a conversation and and you know, you notice like, "Oh man, work sucks." You know, we don't even get paid. You know, the boss made me do this and then this. And then you join in and be like, yeah, bro, I feel you. Even me, like I'm doing all this and they don't notice this and that. And before you know it, you're in this sort of complaining atmosphere. When we choose, honestly, positivity is also contagious as well. You know, you you choose to be positive in a situation, even though it may not be ideal. You know, when we choose to celebrate what's right, Instead of simply just dwelling on what's wrong, our lives get impacted by that. We, we begin to see change. And this, you know, this is not really saying like be in denial of 
the circumstances around you or be you know naive to what's actually happening but it's saying like i choose to focus on the good things and to learn from these experiences a healthy heart is really demonstrated through that you know do we have this all in kind of attitude and really believe that god is good despite of what we're facing a, a really good attitude is isn't really based on our circumstances but it's 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 a choice you know you either choose to have a great attitude or you choose to have a bad one quite frankly if we want a healthy heart a healthy spiritual heart we have to commit to having a positive attitude the third point is how do we respond our responses also tell us the condition of our hearts you know every day we have an opportunity to respond to someone you know whether it's again to at work in a work setting at home with your friends with peers with strangers let's say you're sitting and you're dining at a restaurant you're really hungry you just you came in maybe you had a long day you're out to eat with your family and you know you happen to get the waitress or waiter that's new or in training and doesn't quite know you know what's going on or what they're doing let's just say the food doesn't come out on time or your order doesn't come out right and everyone else's does and you have to wait another 20 to 30 minutes just to get your meal back how would you respond in that situation when something happens maybe even in family or workplace that doesn't really meet up to your expectations how do you respond and really your the way you answer can point to those areas in your heart can point to those areas that may be a little bit out of tune with god you may exemplify some really unhealthy responses like ungodly anger do you curse that waitress out or give her the finger or just get real sarcastic and short with her or you know do you gossip about the waitress or waiter at, at your table like you know how come he's even working here he doesn't even look like he should be here or just does it lead you into this spiral of negativity negative talk do you just leave like a disrespectfully small tip you know like oh he doesn't even deserve my money here's 10 cents or whatever that may be on the other hand the word of god tells us how a healthy heart is led by god's spirit galatians 5 verse 22 tells us you know and it gives us some specifics um, it gives us examples of how a healthy heart is full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And I mean, these aren't easy to, to, to exemplify. These aren't easy to practice, but whether our circumstances are good or bad, you know, if we subject our hearts to the word of God, we have to practice that joy, that peace patience with people, patience with our loved ones, our strangers, that kindness. Even if we're not seeing that kindness shown towards us, we have to exemplify it because this is what God desires. And this is the way to a healthy heart. A healthy heart is really ruled by God's spirit and not necessarily not by our flesh. You know, by this point, I'm pretty sure you're like, geez, I'm failing literally in all of these areas, but we can relate. Like I I truly believe that the beauty in all of this is that we're trusting in the Lord and we just remain committed to the cause, remain committed to having a healthy heart. God will do the work in us as long as we show up daily. God will begin to do that work. He'll begin to change our heart. We'll begin to notice our patience levels increase. The fourth and last thought I want to bring is our thoughts are also a window into our spiritual heart. Our thoughts can either be helpful. They can even do damage. They can be hurtful. They can contribute to the condition of our heart. Paul recognizes this in scripture and he states the implications of our decisions to guard our hearts and our thoughts. And he writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5 
He says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Notice Paul writes, every thought. So Paul is telling us not just some thoughts, not just the bad thoughts, even the thoughts that we think are good thoughts, we have to submit them and surrender them into the subjection of Christ, into the obedience of Christ. So, you know, you're probably thinking, okay, so what do I be thinking about? What should I think about? Paul answers that question too. In Philippians 4, verse 7 and 8, he says, in the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And he says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, lovely, commendable, excellent. If there's anything that's worthy of praise, think about these things. And he, he tells us, think on them. So really guarding our heart requires guarding our minds as well. What our eyes see, what our ears hear, what our minds dwell on have a huge impact on our heart's well-being these are things that we have to constantly ask ourselves you know like what are things that we're allowing to control our thought processes are they true are they pure are they lovely things that you know aren't characterized this way or don't align in this way they don't serve us well they actually deteriorate our spiritual health the health of our hearts in the real sense it's like we need to constantly daily examine our hearts god really has plans for us god has big plans for to prosper us big plans and a big destiny for us but is our bad health hijacking or derailing those plans is our heart health causing us to miss out on what god has planned for us really that's a that's a big question and it takes a lot of honesty to just be real with god be real with yourself those that proverbs 4:23 you know guarding our heart above all else for it is the wellspring of life it's a very big thing and i'll end with these thoughts in the old testament there was a king, you know, in fact, actually, he's the very first king that ruled over the Israelites. His name is Saul. And we see God anoints him through his prophet Samuel. And let's read what Samuel tells him after he's been anointed. So this is 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 5. It says, when you arrive at Gibeah, so this is after Samuel had already anointed him. And he says, when you arrive at Gibeah of God, where the garrison of the Philistines is located, You'll meet a band of prophets coming down from the place of worship. They'll be playing a harp, a tambourine, a flute and lyre. They will be prophesying. And at this time, the spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you and you will prophesy with them and you will be changed into a different person. That's big right there. So it says you will be changed into a different person. And after these signs take place, do what must be done for God is with you. Then go down to Gilgal ahead of me. I will join you there to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. And then the, this is the last part. He says, you must wait for seven days until I arrive and give you further instructions. So Samuel is telling Saul what's going to happen after he anoints him. And he gives him very specific instructions. And in verse nine, it says Samuel's signs are fulfilled. So that's the heading. So whatever Samuel says comes to pass. And let's read that too. Let's see, you know, exactly what happens here. In verse nine, as Saul turned and started to leave, it says, God gave him a new heart. That's big. It says, God gave him a new heart. 
And all Samuel's signs were fulfilled that day. When Saul and his servant arrived at Gibeah, they saw a group of prophets coming down toward them, and the Spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul, and he too began to prophesy. And those who knew Saul heard about it, and they exclaimed, What? Is even Saul a prophet? It says, How did the son of Kish become a prophet? So, God uses Samuel to anoint Saul and give him these instructions. Not only did he give him new instructions to follow, but he God also gave him a new heart. Like he completely changed him. So he equipped him with what he needed to fulfill what God wanted him to do. So he places Saul on this new path, this new trajectory. And, you know, Saul comes from you know, he tends his father's uh, donkeys and he's in the house of his father. He's not really known by anyone. He's just he's just simply plain old Saul. And God has plans for Saul uh, to make him the first king, to make him the ruler over Israel. So when he prepares him to do this, it says he gives him a new heart. He changes him completely. He makes him a new man. And honestly even though god had changed his heart and saul was a new person ultimately it's saul's responsibility to steward his new heart and to guard it from evil and we see here some of saul's faults um, in chapter 11 verse 6 it says then the spirit of god came powerfully upon saul and he became very angry he took two oxen and cut them to pieces and sent the messengers to carry them throughout Israel with this message. This is what will happen to the oxen of, if anyone who refuses to follow Saul and Samuel into battle. And it says the Lord made the people afraid of Saul's anger. And all of them came out together as one. Then Saul mobilized them at Bezek. He found that there were 300,000 men from Israel and 30,000 men from Judah. And, you know, here we see Saul becomes very angry, but the anger was fueled in this, in this portion of scripture to do God's work. You know, for example, for us, you know, injustice or seeing people mistreated may stir up in us some anger, but that anger must not be fueled to sin against God, but, you know, to do things that, that are in obedience and righteousness and to use that anger towards you know injustice to advocate justice or to strive for what god desires but let's keep looking because later on we see saul become very angry again but saul fails to subject his heart under god's word and you know he becomes angry again and brings his and he doesn't bring his emotions under control and it honestly becomes his ruin so we see here in chapter 13, verse 8, Saul becoming very angry. He says, Saul waited there for seven days for Samuel, as Samuel had instructed him earlier. But Samuel didn't come. Saul realized that his troops were rapidly slipping away. And then it says, so he demanded. Let's let's pause right here and focus on context. So Saul right now, he's in the middle of this you know, battle or he's fighting with the philistines and so his people are gripped with fear at this moment and you know 
he's they start retreating they start slipping away they start fleeing and saul is now becoming angry and we know earlier that saul you know gets angry and it says he demanded bring me the burnt offering and the peace offering and it says saul sacrificed the burnt offering himself and just as saul was finishing with the burnt offering samuel arrived and it says saul went out to meet and welcome him but samuel said what is this that you have done and saul gives listen to saul's excuse saul at this point he's pretty much he's angry but he's kind of like has this impatient sort of reasoning and reaction he says i saw my men scattering from me and you didn't arrive when you said you would and the philistines at micmash are ready for battle and then he says so i said the philistines are ready to march against us at gilgal and i haven't even asked for the lord's help so big red flag he says i haven't even asked for the lord's help so i felt again here's his emotions i felt compelled to offer the burnt offering myself before you came so saul is in this rage he's angry he's upset he's frustrated you know he he doesn't have the patience samuel's late he doesn't come when he says he's about to come and when he finally shows up saul had already given in to his emotions to his impatience to his anger and he acted outside of what he was commanded to do and he says i felt compelled so in his heart his heart told him just do what you gotta do man your people are fleeing you know come on common sense do the burnt offering do what you gotta do and keep it pushing right and samuel responds like this he says how foolish you have not kept the command of your of your god that god gave you and it says had you have kept it the lord would have established your kingdom over israel forever that is a huge declaration it says had you have kept it the lord would have established your kingdom over israel forever but now your kingdom must end for the lord has sought out a man after his own heart isn't that crazy and then the lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not kept his command so saul in saul's anger in his impatience he allowed his emotions he allowed his heart to dictate the situation so he reasoned with himself and he goes yeah man samuel's late this is a crappy situation my people are fleeing it's like i got i got a lot going on right now i just can't sit and wait on him right i gotta do this you know and we can relate to this we may be in a situation where our backs are against the wall you know we're at a deadline you know we have we have a certain amount of time before something happens and we need to make a decision are we going to give in to what our emotions are telling us to do are we going to give in to what our feelings are dictating that we do or are we going to subject our feelings to the commands of god are we going to subject our hearts to the word of god and hold fast and say you know what in this moment i choose to have a positive attitude in this moment i choose to surrender my anger to god's word because god has given me instructions god has a plan and i'm sticking to it i'm committed to the health of my heart and 
you know, this isn't the only situation. We even see this happening with Moses when God instructs him in the Old Testament to, you know, speak over the rock and to simply point the staff at it. And, you know, the water would flow out from it. And Moses, in his anger with God's people, strikes the rock instead, disobeys God. So his anger allowed his emotions to build up and his heart, you know, really did some you know he did something out of anger and you know god took that pretty seriously and he wasn't able to enter the promised land so joshua had to take over but you know in all reality i just i just want to ask you this question what's the condition of your heart what's the condition of our hearts are we allowing our hearts to have the final say you know our emotions whether that comes in the form of anger whether that's pride laziness comfort you know, the conditions of our heart solely depend on, you know, how often do we exercise it before the presence of God? How often do we confront our spiritual hearts? And how often do we bring our hearts under subjection to God's word? And this is really challenging because it's like the more we drift away from God's presence or God's word, the more we rely on ourselves and become self-reliant the more our hearts deceive us. And in life, you know, we go through many ups and downs, but it's really up to us to guard our hearts and choose to surrender it to God and not be led by them. You know, in our generation, we we love comfort. We love convenience. And hard work and discipline is not an easy thing to come by. You know, our hearts can grow fat and unhealthy. You know, obviously physically, but also spiritually. And the discipline of studying God's word or the discipline of praying and having healthy relationships with people as well is really important for our spiritual health and for our heart health. So let's be mindful of that and go into the next coming year. Let's go into 2024 aware of our heart's condition and let's commit to having a healthy heart don't get stuck in your feelings don't get caught up in your feelings and miss out on the plan and path that god has for us until next time be blessed if you've enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes please download them share them with your friends comment tell us what you think and most of all tune in next week as we have a brand new episode just for you. This is Aliens on Earth. And until next time, I'm your host, Nate Gazelle.